makes you as think though we are all the same, <laughs> as though we share the same taste. I think a quick perusal of my video collection will tell you <laughs> many of us walk to the beat of our own drummer. Empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. Now you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to Made to Think with your host, Ninjam. This is the Slam Jam episode 16. We are cruising our way to Mexico City. Before I get rocking and rolling on this episode, again, I just want to thank everybody for the support. It's unbelievable. If you haven't yet subscribed and you're still listening, all you need to do is click on that little bell on Spotify. Seriously, it changes the algorithms. It improves everything. And you're doing me a massive favor. I'm not asking for money. I'm not asking for nothing. Just that little fucking favor. Let's have it large. Now, there's a saying in Mexico that all roads eventually lead to Mexico City. It's been a lifetime dream of mine to go there ever since I watched the World Cup when I was a little boy. So... Um, a cheap bus ride costing just £9 took me from Guadalajara to the North Station in just under three hours. Something to bear in mind if you're one of, like me, like a traveling wonder. Um, if you're going by bus into Mexico City, there are three different bus stations, the North, Central and South, and they're quite far apart. Now, most buses coming from the North will only drop you at the North Station and the same with the South. Uh, for the first time, my nerves began to bubble somewhat. Not only did I need to figure out and navigate the underground metro to get to the south on my own, I also needed to carry my rucksack and my backpack the whole distance, which by now was, was weighing in at least 90 kg, you know, including my DJ stuff and my laptop um, and all the gifts that I received from my, uh, my hosts. Now, luckily for me, although it's hot in Mexico City, the weather is so dry that I didn't need to worry too much about sweating. That was always a, a horrible thing, sweating with your backpack. Um, now, after finding my way from the bus station to the underground, I checked out the different colored lines on the metro map. It's quite confusing when you've never been there before and you don't speak fluently, you know. Um, so I sort of looked at this map, planned my route ahead. Uh, I needed to change lines three times to get to the furthest southern point. So not knowing exactly how sure the system worked, I bought two Metro tickets for two pesos each, which was, which back then was 22 pence. <laughs> Insanely cheap. Now, I'd been warned in advance about the rush hours in Mexico City. Uh, they were around seven to nine, two to four and five to seven. So I'd done my best to avoid those times. Uh, the first changeover was really sweet. No problems. I was off after one stop. The second exchange, I noticed the rise in the amount of people standing by the byline waiting for the next train. A few stops later, and I had to change from line five to line two. But what I didn't know was that I had to hike a good 10 to 15 minute walk to do so. It's like one of them big airports like Dubai. Um, my shoulders were burning with all the weight, yet I pressed on. Now, Hildalgo was my next docking station, and I've never witnessed a place so insanely busy. It felt like I was trying to slip into my first pair of underpants. People pushing and shoving to get to the front of the line before the train arrived. With my bags, I was the equivalent of two people trying to squeeze into spaces barely big enough for a five-year-old child. Now, anyone who's ever attended a football match with 60,000 people would, would understand what it's like at half time trying to get a pint and a pie. There are 25 million people living in this city, man. 
half of which use the underground. They're like little ants fighting over rotten food, carrying the stench of a future, unable to keep up with the misuse and disrespect of contraceptives. Now, where do all these people work? That's the thing. They don't. Like any big city, Mexico is overflowing with the poor. Beggars galore, amputees, every shape and every form, and most apparent are the blind. God, it was hard to swallow. I watched a young boy lead the way for his blind guitar-playing father through the crammed carriages. Their feet stained with a lifetime of loose change, the leather giving way on their sandals, survival bleeding them of any notion to stop for a second. I hear the faint sound of the guitar, missing one string fade away into the darkest pits of this overwhelming city. My senses are kept on high alert. As every stop, I encounter a new sensation. All manner of products being sold, batteries, chewing gum, loud music belting from a custom-made beatbox wrapped around the shoulder of the dirty-faced Mexican, a walking advertisement for the latest copied music ads. I couldn't hear myself think. Every minute gone is a minute wasted for those who sell nothing. And an an, an added minute of grueling hunger creeping its ugly pain into the sides of the dry and torn mouse. Tobacco-stained teeth and greasy, unconditioned hair. The city is riddled with problems. First, the obvious congestion. Secondly, people come to the city looking for work from the not-so-built-up surrounding areas, and this problem could be softened if the rural areas were developed instead. Furthermore is the pollution, caused by cars, litter, and sometimes due to ash from the still-active volcano, which looms over this vast city, once in a while pumping black clouds into the skyline, causing schools to close and roads to halt. Another problem looms. Before the Spanish came in the 15th century, parts of downtown Mexico City were mainly covered in water. It was like a giant lake. And then the Spanish built over the entire center, covering the Aztec temples and trapping the water beneath the city. Since that time, the city has used this source of water to great effect. However, As the demand for this resource increases with more and more people moving to the city, the very foundations of the city are being pumped dry, hence the reason it's starting to sink in noticeable areas. I could see buildings sinking into the ground. It's incredible to imagine living here for a long period of time. How the Mexican people can do business, attend school every day, go shopping for food every week is one of the great mysteries of this trip so far. I was proud to have survived the Metro, and I'm happy to report I never witnessed any trouble, not on this case. It felt as safe as the underground in New York, and it's well air-conditioned and surprisingly clean and satisfyingly cheap, fella. Now, a taxi, a taxi above from the north station to the south would have easily set me back 200 pesos, but I'd managed to go on the train for two pesos only, and you only need one ticket. Uh, If you exit the turnstiles, that's when you need to buy another. So you can literally travel all day if you don't exit the turnstiles. Fucking cheap as chips, fella, you know what I mean? Now, I finally met up with uh, my 33rd official host, Rick. And he was one of the original guys that had replied to the email before I set off from England. Um, He gave me instructions to meet him, of all places, at a condom shop, which was situated 100 yards outside the metro station. Now, don't forget, this place is fucking packed. Trying to find anybody is really difficult. 
I was wandering around tiny market stalls. I felt like a lost tourist, embarrassed to ask anybody where the hell the condom shop was. Now, what I did do, I went over to a guy and, and I asked, uh, how do I purchase a telephone card? Because back then I didn't carry a mobile. There were cell phones out, but I was traveling with no mobile. So I was using pay phones. Now, it only cost me 30 pesos, which is really cheap. And I managed to give him a call. If anyone's ever wondering where all the old Beetle cars, which I call the slug bugs, uh, where did all they go? Well, they were all in Mexico City, painted green and white and used as taxis. Thousands of them everywhere. Engines rattling, tires worn, dented and bruised, weaving in and out of traffic like an army of newly born turtles, all racing for the sea, dodging obstacles on the way. After a short wait in the blistering heat, I was relieved to finally see Big Rick's head through the crowd. Uh, it was so funny that he told me that the condom shop was actually at another station, so I'd gone completely the wrong place. Now, we drive as we drove slowly through the super crammed streets of the city, I listened to Rick's own disgust at living in such a place. Six years residing here had made him seriously reconsider moving back to San Diego or Canada. It just become too populated and I couldn't blame him. Picking up some groceries, we headed home. Honking horns, screeching tires, the sound of brakes squeaking echoed through graffiti covered bypasses. Ajusco is an area situated in the far south of Mexico City, within walking distance of Six Flags Amusement Park. I was so excited. We got to go there, Rick. And it was situated at an elevation high, enough to deafen the noise of the city. From his rooftop, I could look down at the valley. In the distance, the mountains and the volcano paced the skyline. The guardians and gods stand so patiently while the city below pulsates with activity like an overflowing beehive. My reluctance to love big cities grew ever stronger as I finally closed my eyes before preparing for the next day ahead. So me, Rick and his girlfriend took a little uh, tour of the of the downtown. We grabbed a taxi and headed to the nearest metro station en route to the main downtown area. All the roads were filled with jacaranda trees, their turquoise leaves dominating the eye and illuminating the sidewalks. Back on the metro, I realized it's easier to get on the train if you walk as far up the byline as possible, right to the very end. There's less people. But whilst pushing through the wall of impatient people boarding the tram, a young kid tried to steal Rick's wallet. At first, I thought the kid was just pushing him. Yet in broad daylight and a tram filled with people, he was trying his best to slip the wallet from his jeans pocket. A furious Rick made everyone aware and the kid jumped off at the next stop. I felt secure having my wallet on a chain. However, this was finally confirmation the rumors about Mexico City being tricky were indeed quite true. Exiting the metro, we entered the city via the entrance next to the El Palacio de Bellas Artes, a famous theater and museum with a strong Greek influence in architecture. We continued into the central historical, home to the Cathedral Metropolitan which was built around 1525. It was then demolished in 1573 and rebuilt to be completed 240 years later. More evidence of the old world. It's an astonishing piece of work. Inside it hosts the biggest organ I've ever seen. Now we call them organs. I call them frequency devices. 
A short walk from the cathedral is the Centro Historical de Mexico, a 668-block area radiating out from the Zocalo, which is the city's hub since founded by the Aztecs in 1325. The Templo Mayor, or the Great Temple of the Aztecs, was recently found by accident during an excavation to extend the subway. Confirmation of a vast city that elegantly ruled before the Spanish decided they wanted out with the old theologies and in with the new Catholic monarchy. Cortes and followers decimated the Indian structures, building their own monuments atop of the rubble. Shame on them. After a peek at a replica model of the ancient city, my silent screams were heard only by my ancestral spirits. A kind of human tsunami had taken place. There are over 1,500 historical sites in this area alone, too many to mention. Many of the private mansions and civic and religious buildings in the historic centre date from the Spanish colonial period. Now, there's barely a trace of Aztec left. After the history tour, Rick and Anna introduced me to the downtown markets. I had no idea what to expect. Now, you've got to remember, this was 2007. So, it was a big shock where I could buy anything copied films not even out on the cinema yet for 50p hell yeah i'll take some of them i can watch them in my free time i could get any music cd i want any computer program there was even coppers there buying the latest dvds but the best of all were the dodgy mexican perfumes sk klein marco polo boss and ovulation for men i loved it after the market i tried my first bowl of pozole which is a delicious soup made from all manner of ingredients. Apparently, a traditional Mayan dish made with human flesh back in the day. You gotta love those guys, no messing about. So on Friday, I beg Rick, please, we've gotta go to Six Flags. Costing just 270 pesos, we were the only gringos there, and it was fabulous. We got on this big ride that shot us up into the air, and I got the best view of Mexico City. It was awesome. Now, I was super eager to meet my 34th official host, a lovely lady named Barbara Lascano, who lived in the north of the city. So I had to get on the metro again. However, this time, I was confident and kind of knew my way around. Arriving at my stop-off, I was faced with yet another problem. Three exits. Which one was I supposed to meet her at? A friendly Mexican guy stopped and asked if I needed help. I sure do, buddy. He called my host on his cell and arranged an exact spot to meet her. That's Mexico for you, yet again. Amazing, I had survived the Metro once again. I was Barbara's first host, and she had told her parents about Couchsurfing and my project in advance to Couchsurf the world. Yet, the father was slightly apprehensive. It was up to me now to prove how cool Couchsurfing really was. I had to be on my best behavior. As soon as I greeted them both, I felt like I was at home immediately. And just like that, within minutes, I was given a beer and sat around the table eating a hearty home-cut lunch once again. Barbara is an amazing and intelligent host, and her family were just so incredibly welcoming. That feeling of, how am I ever going to leave this place, came over me once again. I and my new little baby sister spent all day ringing the local couch surfers, inviting them out for a get-together in the city. After all, it was St. Patrick's Day. So, meeting at a cool bar called Pata Negra in the popular drinking area, La, Conde La Condesa, I was over the moon to meet my planned host, Alex. He was too busy to host, so I ended up uh, staying with Barbara. Um, although, our, uh, although our arrangement had fell through, it wasn't going to deter him from having a few scoops with me. 
Um, so apart from paying 75 pesos for a Guinness, I will always cherish eating those amazing tacos at El Tizonquito. Spicy motherfuckers. Sunday morning, waking early with a slight hangover, Barbara kindly drove me out of the city to a place I've always dreamed about. And it was my first real taste of ancient Mexico, Teotihuacan. Said to have been built in 700 BC, over 200,000 people lived in the city, making it bigger than Rome. Whilst parking the car, I had my first experience with the Voladores, which are a cool tribe from Papantla. There's an actual school you can go to learn the master craft of playing a cool little flute while saluting the four cardinal points while spinning on a huge wooden pole. The only way back down again is upside down with rope wrapped around your legs. <laughs> it's a bit like pole dancing. <laughs> now, costing 45 pesos for entry plus 35 pesos for video cameras, um, it was a hell of a trek just to get from the site to the car of Tiwotiwakan. Due to it being the equinox on Wednesday, the 21st of March, the place was already jam-packed with people intending to recharge their energies. We queued for an hour to climb the Pyramid of the Sun. I didn't mind. It was well worth the wait. The view from the top is spectacular. I was surprised to see two butterflies dancing at the peak on such an altitude. Even butterflies need recharging, it seems. But a little tip, don't shave your nutsack the day before you climb to your T-Wall can. <laughs> now, sunburst orange and Sierra Reds twinkle from the corner of my praying eyelids, demanding my attention. The empire of my ancestors came to life with the motion of the flapping wings as my eyes opened. I gazed out, unable to see the thousands of tourists. Instead, the ruins began to sparkle once more. The landscape alive with the ancient tribe, drums beating and bells clanging as thousands of feet dance across a sun-bleached horizon, kicking up dust as we celebrate heaven on earth. How strange is it that we must travel back in time to find a truly magical place? It was an honor to have shared such an experience with such a wonderful host. Thank you, Barbara. I hope you're listening and I love you very much. With a rosy tan, we then climbed the Pyramid of the Moon before heading back home. Barbara dropped me off at the Coyucan to meet with Alex and friends, one of Mexico City's coolest markets and hangout spots. Couples in love lay before a water fountain, twisting one another's hair. Silvers, golds, multicolor beaded jewelry twinkles as it spins against the sun. The faceless girl having her dreadlocks knitted, the sound of tattoo needles buzzing. Latin reggae fills whatever gaps the bustle seeps. I decided to blend in by having my hair weaved at the back with cotton and beads. Yes, I used to have hair. I'm now officially a hippie. After a few beers, I said farewell to Alex, a great guy. If you're listening, brother, I'll never forget you. Now, Monday was a national holiday in Mexico. So Barbara treated me to a meal at the famous restaurant, Sanborns. You can find them all over the place, but the, uh, the original is downtown. It was cheap and friendly and very good food. You sit in a traditional Spanish courtyard with the very high ceilings. It reminded me of Barcelona. Very quaint. On Tuesday, we tried to drive downtown to the Museum of Anthropology and History, but their chaotic traffic had other plans in store. So instead, we sat for hours in the car, moving an inch a moment, all due to some big protest. 
I've never known a place that has people selling single cigarettes for two pesos on a highway. Drinks, lottery tickets, chewing gum, phone cards, all being sold on a road with an intended speed limit. That's how busy this place really is. In the evening, I was invited to dinner with Barbara's family at La Tecla, which was situated in one of the richest avenues in the city, Masariac, to celebrate her mother's birthday. I was treated to one of the best meals I've eaten for a while. For a, while. a big thank you to Father Mario and Mother Gloria, and greetings to Barbara's brother and wife, Mario and Pila. It was such an honor to dine and share that experience with such splendid people. On Wednesday, I had to do the last thing in Mexico City. I had to visit the Museum of Anthropology and History, which was well worth the 45 pesos. Some incredible artifacts um, from the Aztecs. It's sad to see them in museums though, to be honest. And then as a little treat, Barbara took me across downtown to visit FIFA's official largest football stadium in the world, the Azteca. Just at the start of this story, I told you that I wanted to go to Mexico because I watched Mexico World Cup when I was a boy. And now here I was about to go on the tour of the place where they hosted the Mexico final, 1986. Oh, my God. For 20 pesos, you get a short tour. Not as good a tour as the new camp in Barcelona, but it had to go. You remember Pele, Maradona had both graced this monumental place. I envisioned running the pitch, weaving in and out of obstacles, breaking the defense, flipping the ball high into the air and using my hand to hit my goal. And you know what was so funny about that? Maradona always said, what hand of God? It was the hand of Maradona. Now, my dream of one day holding that book high above me, surrounded by all those people, just took another step closer. Next up is Veracruz. I want to say thank you. And as always, from Ninjam, having it large. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening. Love you.